Gennaro Rewind, hosted by Matt Namofsky. Hello, NRL fans. Welcome back to the NRL Rewind podcast. I'm your host, Matt Namofsky, and welcome to Round 4 Team List Tuesday. This is one I'll be looking forward to. I've got Chris on the line. Chris, how are you, mate? Um, great, mate. Thanks for having me back on the podcast. No worries, mate. I know you're excited as well. This after the devastating injuries, suspensions from last week, and obviously some some teams that are trying to find some form. Some of the best teams with the injury crisis. This was always going to be an interesting team list, and it has served up some spicy ones. So we'll jump right into it. We've got your mm-hmm. team, the Manly Seagulls, hosting the Penrith Panthers on Thursday. For the Manly team, Morgan Boyle moves into the interchange bench with simply dropping out. Uh, Tommy Trevojevic still probably another week away from reports. For the Panthers, a couple of forced changes. Dylan Edwards out with a broken hand. Stephen Crichton moves to fullback. Matt Bird moves to centre. And Nathan Cleary is back from his concussion. Chris, obviously, going to be a tough one for your boys to try and get their first win of the season against the defending minor premiers. How do you see this one going, mate? Is that even a question, mate? Come on. I, I, <laughs> look, I, I, I was looking online. I just saw this really good sort of um, saying by one of the Manly fans, one of the groups, you know, like the definition of madness is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different outcome. The fact that Hasler has stuck solid with this same side just just blows my mind. It just makes me question whether, um, you know, his second coming is you know, what we need at this point. Like, I just feel like he's lost a little bit of a touch in terms of coaching, but you know what? I'm not the coach, but all I can do is just put my support out there and just, you know, boys, as long as you give it your best, that's all I can hope for. I'm not looking at a win at this point. I'm just looking for some effort. Yeah, it's really interesting because when you do, when you were looking at some of the preseason reports coming out of like training camp, you saw that uh, Morgan Harper was taking a lot of the fullback minutes when Tom Turbo went down. So you'd think by now we may have seen Morgan Harper in this lineup. There was some talk potentially of four and going to nine and Cusp playing the six that hasn't eventuated. So like you said, it is very interesting that Des has chosen to stick with it. In saying that against the Panthers, is there really any changes within your squad that is going to make this game a bit more competitive to what it is? Are we just kind of really holding out here until Turbo's back next round and then seeing what you guys have? What's your thoughts there? I think that's what Manny fans and Des is sort of holding on to at this point. Like, you know, that we're treating him as if he's going to be the, our savior to sort of fix everything. But I just don't see that going to be the sort of like person to really drive us towards that sort of finals berth. Like, it's just more of the effort. Just watching it last week, it just made me just you know, question whether they still had their heart in it. Um, just throughout all their players. Like, I feel like Jake just looks so lost without his brother. Just seeing Daly Cherry Evans just not gelling well with anyone around him. It just it just looks so clunky, especially on all the sort of attack that they were throwing. Oh, gosh, I don't know what else to say for Manly. Yeah, it was kind of a – it was one of – we did speak about it last week. It was one of those line-in-the-sand games against the Dragons who, you know, weren't top of the table. This was a game that you really kind of needed to come out and obviously – there was a bit of an onslaught there. We'll move on to the Panthers' side. Obviously, Dylan Edwards, the big one there. He's one of the most underrated fullbacks in the game. How do you see the move for Stephen Crichton? Are you surprised that he's the man to take the number one jumper? And how do you see Matt Burton going in the centres? I mean, Matt Burton, you saw, like, he just had that composure to him that a lot of the people around his age just don't have. It just felt like he's been part of the NRL for just so long. And it'll be, you know, 
I don't know what it is, but you just have to have him somewhere. You could throw him in lock. I would still be happy to have him at Burton somewhere just to sort of, you know, provide that you know, alleviation to Jerome Luai and Nathan Cleary, just extra hands of just, you know, ball playing. And Stephen Cryan shifting the fullback, I think that's just going to do wonders for his game. He's got, got such a devastating running game. I just hope that he can sort of gel into the Panthers' attack just as well as Dylan Edwards did. But I think him... You know, ball in hand, it's just going to, yeah, I'm just expecting more points, you know. Yeah, definitely. And it's going to be a real, like, you know, we said last week that we were still backing Panthers, even if Cleary wasn't uh, named on the final team sheet, which he was, and he was uh, rested for the round. Just, ha- you know, the composure they showed against the Storm, who obviously did have a couple of injuries as well, but they were able to, to get the win uh, in a real, in a real dogfight. And, you know, having Cleary back against a team like Manly, it's going to be a nice tune up for Cleary to get back in for Stephen Cry and to get his hands on the ball, like you said, I think it's going to be, you know, I don't see the Panthers, even though there's a couple of changes there, I don't see much of a difference. I think they're going to really put on here, unfortunately, for you guys. From a super coach perspective, what are some, I, I had a, qu- a quick look at it. I don't see really any waivers that are on our waivers that I would look at. What about you? Do you see any, any options there? Uh, for our one, I did see Josh Alloyer being on our waivers, which he could be a little, you know, stash on the bench in case we do have, you know, with our sort of injury luck, he could sort of slot back in. Mm. Um, Schuster really proved me wrong. I thought that he was going to, you know, slow down in terms of the scoring, but man, he looked just devastating. Like he was that bright, bright spot out of this entire team. Um, moving on to the Panthers side, I don't seem to see anything sparking my interest. Again, we still have that sort of Spencer Linu. If he's on on your waves, you need that little bit of extra points. Yep, throw him in there. I think, honestly, he's still going to be starting by the end of the year. Like, I, he just has that look to him. Like, he just... I sort of reminds me when Payne Haas sort of joined, mm. you know, the NRL off that bench. And he just, you know, just in his mind was just run straight. Just run straight and just see, see all the people just, like, fall off of him. So... Yeah, I, I agree. There's not really many options, you know, from a Panther side, a Matt Eisenhuth and a Liam Martin, if there is an injury in the forward pack, I could see one of those guys coming into a back row rotation and getting some minutes. Uh, but yeah, from a from a manly side, you know, Dylan Walker, Lachlan Croker, not really feeling it. I do have one super coach question before we do move on to the next game. This was actually from Ryan in our group. Uh, he's got uh, Ruben Garrick and Kieran Foran. When, to- when Tommy Turbo comes back next week, who's the one you would rather have out of those two? Who, who do you think would impact more from having Turbo back? Is it Garrick with the goal kicking and finishing on the outside or four in dealing the ball to Turbo at the back? Hmm. The, to me, I see four in the way he runs. He takes on that line so well, but remembering how he played at the dogs, I saw him pass that off a lot to the second front row. So if, Anything, I reckon Josh Schuster will be the beneficiary because with Tommy Turbo being at the back to sort of draw that attention away, he just has to short ball at the line. I think Schuster will be in. But out of the two of them, I reckon Garrick would be. I think Tommy Turbo really worked on his passing game towards the end of the year before his injury. And I think if he can get a couple of cutout balls to Ruben, that's it. He, he's going in. And I think that's the way we're going to have to attack, mainly because our forward pack isn't just going to compete down that middle. I think we sort of have to go around at, at the best, I'd say. Okay. Good shout. All right, we'll move on to the first Friday game. It's the Canary Bankstown Bulldogs hosting the South Sydney Rabbitohs. So for the Bulldogs, uh, it looks like Trent Barrett's had enough and he's pulled the trigger. So Nick Meany goes to fullback. 
Corey Allen moves to the wing. Jerry Marshall King has a broken foot, so he is now out. So Sione Katoa moves into the starting hooker role. Jake Avarillo has been dropped surprisingly, so Lachlan Lewis is now retained back at 5'8". Josh Jackson is suspended, so we have a Tony moving into lock. And Topany and Britt are the new men on the bench. For the Rabbits, they are unchanged 1-17. to Another lopsided one here, Chris. The Bunnies, you know, looking like they're running in a bit of form. The dog's in trouble. What do we see going on here? Mm, I reckon the game's going to start off surprisingly a bit tight. But as per usual, I think Bulldogs' attack is still a little bit stunted at the moment. And I think Rabbits will eventually just find their groove and just, you know, make it a comprehensive win as per usual. Okay. And what about the the interesting one for me is obviously Avarillo. Um, to me, when I look, well, I watched that Brisbane game last weekend, you know, Kyle Flanagan, you know, he did try his heart out, but, you know, that wasn't really on. I thought every time Avarillo touched the ball, at least I was expecting something to happen. I'm surprised that Lachlan Lewis has been caught in. What do you think there with Lachlan Lewis coming in? Is there any any super coach option there? What do you think from an NRL perspective on Lachlan Lewis? Yeah, I mean, based off the performance, I saw the same thing as you. I saw Avarillo being that sort of dangerous uh uh, attacking play out of Kyle Flanagan and you know and himself you know I had Kyle Flanagan so I was watching closely I just wanted him just to take on the line I swear I saw him maybe take only maybe one or two times you know towards the line at least Avarillo sort of tried you know running at the line to sort of draw that attention away from you know his other backs to sort of you know make something happen so I, I'm just shocked that they're replacing someone with such an x-factor in Avarillo with someone as Lachlan Lewis, who tends to just play a similar game style to Carl Flanagan. You're having two controlling halves who, if you want an X-factor, I, and you look at that bench, I don't see anyone sparking it. What about you? Nah, and agree. That's Before the season started, I was begging to have Jake Averillo starting in 5-8. One, just to see what he's got. Obviously, Burton's coming in next year, so he's not going to be in the halves, but just see what you have there. And I don't know, every time he touched the ball, I feel like, obviously, Carl Flanagan was very dominant this year in the calling of the ball. So the ball went to him a lot. But every time I ever really touched the ball, I just, like you said, it's next factor. There was a potential for something to happen, whether he's on a run, kick, pass, whatever it's going to be. There's, there was something there. So I am surprised at that. And like you said, on the bench, I, I don't see any X factor. What about the other big change? Obviously, uh, Corey Allen came over on big money from the Bunnies. Uh, it was a really touted move that, you know, they've got their fullback of the future. So in the last of three rounds, he's been moved to the wing for Nick Meany. Uh, what do we see going on there? Nick Meany was a fullback in the past and has played well the first couple of rounds, but obviously it says a bit more about Corey Allen. What's your thoughts there? For me, I don't sort of see the hype around Corey Allen. That's my personal opinion. When he first came in, I remember, I think it was Jason who grabbed him when he was at the Bunnies and he just didn't look like he was very comfortable. I know that's his position, but he just didn't look like that fullback that I would get excited for. And I think everyone sort of got hyped up when Rabbits went on that sort of, you know, carnage towards the end of last year. And then he sort of just reaped the rewards. But I, I just don't see him being the one, like he's not in the top five, not even top 10, in my opinion, in terms of fullback. So I was just shocked to see that they paid such big money for him. Um, but he has played, you know, wing at the rabbit. So it's not going to be in an unfamiliar position to him, but yeah, I, I think Trent Barrett did do the right thing in terms of just spicing things up a little bit, just sort of bring him to the, to the wing. I think Meany just, I think he looks like a bit of a more X factor than a Corey Allen, in my opinion. So I think Trent Barrett did make the right move in this case. Yeah. And again, like you said, South went on an amazing run at the end of the season. When you're running off the back of uh, Cody Walker, Adam Reynolds, Damian Cook, 
you know, finishing some of those set pieces on the back line, you're going to look very good. So uh, I get, I, I agree. Trent Barrett, you know, he couldn't really keep going down this path like we talked about with Des of just repeating the same thing over and over again. He's obviously seen in a couple of uh, performances, they haven't scored a try in two straight games. Uh, so he's now looking to just try and, like you said, spice it up, try and get some extra, see what you have. See what you have. Try and, you know, he doesn't want to make this season lost after four rounds. So I respect what he's doing. Do I think some of the changes are questionable? To me, like I said, the lock on Lewis one to me is a little bit questionable, but we'll see We'll see how it goes. And obviously the big one there during Marshall King, I was really excited. I had him in fantasy last year towards the end of the season. He's just one of those dynamic dummy half players, a little bit underrated in my opinion. So a real big loss. Sione Kato will come in. And Bradley Dietz, who a lot of people were wondering why he wasn't in, there's actually an exception. He can't play until round 10. So that's why he hasn't been selected. So uh, hopefully the Bulldogs maybe get an exception through the NRL to get him uh, fast-tracked a little bit quicker. For the Rabbits, not much to talk about. They are unchanged. Uh, What did you see from them last week? Obviously, a huge performance against the Roosters. Um, Some really surprised at how they really just took it to them again. Um, What what are you seeing from the Bunnies, obviously, from, from the performance? I think the biggest shout out definitely would be to Latrell Mitchell and Cody Walker that they're starting to synergize pretty well. I think last time we had that sort of question, whether they would be able to play together Two really big names, uh, players who just want their hands on the ball all the time. I think they gelled really well. I'm very sort of, I guess, excited to see how far Latrell Mitchell can really go at this fullback. He could really challenge the top fullback if he keeps going at the rate that he's going. Um, I, I love to see, you know, Damien Cook taking on that running game again. And I think the last person to sort of take them to the very top would definitely be that Cam Murray. We discussed in the past about how he needs to sort of, you know, have that exciting running game that he did when he first came to the NRL. If he can bring that sort of back, I think that's it. There's no stopping them at that point. Yeah, exactly right. I think he's the missing piece. Like, you know, they are perennial top four. They're going to make it. But to get over that final bit of hump, Damian Cook's running game on the back of Cam Murray really taking the line on, punching punching through and getting his nose through the defensive line there. Um, for waivers for this game, I guess, you know, we've already spoken about most of the rabbit guys would have already been picked up. From the Bulldogs, any interest in, you know, a Meany, a Lachlan Lewis, or even a Tone starting a lock? Um, I think Lachlan Lewis mainly for his DPP. Uh, if you are in a sort of larger draft man group, he could be that sort of sneaky pickup. And if anyone's sort of desperate for those halves, you can sort of use him as a trade piece as per some people in our group. Um, you can also look at maybe Katoa. Now, based off that bench, I'm presuming he could potentially get 80 minutes. Don't quote me on that, but four forwards on the bench. So, you know, mm-hmm. take it what you can get from that. Um, a Tony... I've seen him play prop, but his PPM was, you know, okay. Not too, not too fancy. I think it's about between 0.8 to one. Um, but I just want, I'm just curious as to see how uh, Trent Bout would rotate those forwards in, you know, four forwards, you know, it could potentially mean that again, the second front rows could lose some minutes um, over to the bunny side. Uh, I'm looking at mainly may Mark, Nichols, he looked pretty dangerous off the bench. You know, I, I never saw him as that sort of X factor prop, but he mm. really proved me wrong in that last game. Had crazy amount of hit ups, crazy amount of meters. Um, you know, if I didn't have such a strong forward pack in my sort of um, team, I think I'll definitely pick up Mark Nichols. Um, but looking around the rest of the team, that's that's about it for me. What about you? 
Yeah, Mark Nichols is a really interesting one. When I was watching the game, he just seems to always drag the defense that extra five meters and get that quick play of the ball, which I think, you know, Jai Arrow off the bench, um, you know, we spoke about Cam Murray. I just like the way this, it's not, they're not the biggest forward pack, but they're always for some reason just able to march up the field and get and get the meters that they need. So that's a good shout for Mark Nichols. The only other one, I guess, from the Rabbit side is we still don't know if Josh Mansour or Jackson Paulo is the preferred wing on that side. They both had a couple of goes. Paulo obviously had the concussion last week. So I would still urge the owner of Mansour to have Jackson Paulo as a handcuff on the bench. Uh, that, that'd probably be my only one from the Rabbit side. Um, we'll move on to the next game now. It's the Melbourne Storm hosting the Brisbane Broncos. So for the Melbourne Storm, Ryan Pappenhausen is back. So that moves Nico Hines to the reserves. And just to note there, Dale Finucane and Harry Grant are chances for next week, as per Craig Bellamy. For the Broncos, a brand new front row rotation. Payne Haas returns from suspension. Matt Lodge back from his injury. So that moves Tavita Pengai Jr. and Tom Flegler back to the bench. Also, John Asiata returns to the bench which means that Kennedy, Dearden, and Bullimore all drop out into the reserves. Another one we spoke about. So this three, uh, the first three games of the round are all, you know, really short favourites. Again, Melbourne storm up against the Broncos. Melbourne off two straight losses. Uh, So how do you see this one going? I cannot believe I even heard down a sentence where Melbourne's off two straight losses. Uh, You know what? Calling it now, Amy Park, Melbourne. Yeah. Forget it. If you want to lose money, bet on them to lose. But, you know, they're going to take it to to the Broncos. Um, you know, it's unfortunate, but seeing how well the Broncos did sort of try um, last round, uh, I just wish they, you know, could have carried a little bit more momentum. But I think this is where it's going to, it's going to stop, I'd say. Yeah, from a Broncos side, it's obviously good to have uh, Haas and Lodge back. I was a bit surprised TPJ didn't uh, keep his starting spot. Really would have liked to have seen him move into the 13 jersey and maybe Carrigan back to the bench. Uh, personally, but I can see, you know, Pengai's had quite a few. You've obviously got him in uh, Supercoach, so you've seen they've been using him in little two and three uh, short burst stints uh, to keep him really fresh and powering through. He's slowly starting to up his minutes, uh, but now obviously with Payne and Lodge back, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens there. Uh, but I think you're right. Melbourne Storm, obviously, two weeks in a row, just really heartbreaking losses. Justin Olam kicking the ball uh, on first tackle against Parramatta. And then obviously not passing the ball to Adokar on the wing last week. So I believe Craig Bellamy's got him really up here. Pappenhausen back, who, you know, he's just looked dynamic when he's been on the field this season. Uh, so this will, be, this will be a blowout in my opinion. From the Melbourne side, um, some questions around Jerome Hughes through the week. Obviously, it looks like they're, go- they're favouring his side a little bit more than the Cameron Munster side. We've obviously said that that Melbourne left edge with Munster, Kenny Bromwich, Olam and Adokar is one of the best ones in the in the league, what do you see there from Jerome Hughes? Are they just trying to maybe see what they've got for the rest of the season? Or do you think there's more of a, you know, this is the way that, I don't know, Brandon Smith prefers to get his service out to that edge? Or are we just looking to see what we have before Harry Grant tries to roll him through the middle in a couple of weeks? I think they're just sort of trying to balance out both sides. I feel like, you know, the top teams, they have, have dynamic right and left edges. If you just continue to sharpen one side, the other side is just going you know, to start team. They could go down either side. That's the sort of mindset I think they're trying to set at the moment. And it starts, you know, early in the season, I guess. Yeah, agreed. 
I think, yeah, it's, you know, when the worst player, you know, worst player in your team that everyone's saying is, you know, one of your champion halfbacks like Jerome Hughes has, 10 other clubs would like to have Jerome Hughes as the halfback. So, you know, Melbourne, Melbourne fans especially haven't had to really go through this last, you know, 15 seasons. So obviously there's some, there's some teething pains, you know, when you, they were so directed down dummy half and through the middle with Cameron Smith. And I think to an extent they will be when Harry Grant comes back. Uh, but, you know, like you said, you can't just keep going down Munster. You've got to try that other edge. You know, Felice Cafusi wasn't there last week. That's the guy that traditionally Jerome Hughes likes to hit on a short ball, attracts a lot of attention to move out the back. Still no Brenko Lee. Um, so he was a chance for round one. We're now at round four. Any concerns there in terms of does he walk straight back into the side when he does and George Jennings drops out in your opinion? In my opinion, yes. Did you see how he got basically manhandled by my coach during the Eels game? Yeah. Oh, man, that sort of wrecked me during my super coach. So I was watching that really closely. Um, but yes, I think Brenko Lee just adds an additional sort of attack. And I think Raymond Smith works a lot better on the wing. What do you think? Yeah, agreed. I think he was definitely brought in to be that that big target on, on the edge for a Jerome Hughes bomb across field. Uh, and, you know, working out of the back, you know, he's got a big, strong body, can carry the players over. So I do agree there. One quick one back on the Bronco side. Obviously, again, no Tom Dearden. So they're sticking with the Anthony Milford, Brody Croft partnership there in the halves. I, I guess we're a couple of weeks in now. How do you see that? How do you see that's been playing? Got the chocolates last week, but you know, is this long term? Are we still sticking with this until one of them just has a really, really bad performance? I mean, I think that's what they're waiting for to sort of trigger that sort of Tom Dearden approach. But I think, you know, they shouldn't judge it based on a win-loss. I think even if they win, you should still look at their performance individually, but also how they work well together. And we spoke about in the last podcast that, in our opinion, Tom Dearden works so much better with Anthony Mills. Not that he's a better player than Brody Croft. I mean, some people say yes, some people say no. It's just the way that Dearden works with Milford just helps the team. And that's the whole point of, you know, these sort of matches. It's a team-based approach. It shouldn't be, oh, you know, Tom Dearden's better than a Croft, so therefore, or maybe a Croft is better than Dearden. We should just chuck him in and just hope for the best. Like, I think he needs to be there. I just, I'm just shocked that he's even in the reserves, like not even on the interchange. It's just, mm-hmm. it just blows my mind. It's really interesting as well because, you know, rumours have been circulating that, you know, the Cowboys are very interested in Tom Dearden. There was a report before the season that Melbourne Storm could possibly be interested before Jerome Hughes re-signed. So to me, it's just one of those ones where, you know, you've lost a couple of young guys already and, you know, Tom Dearden was touted as the future last year. Uh, and like you said, not even on the bench. So he'll be playing Q Cup again this this week. Um, it's just it's really surprising. Um you know, even if he's on the bench, you know, to back up Turpin, you know, or if Brody Croft or Milford's not really working, you know, again, it's surprising. Waivers on this one. I guess, you know, from a Melbourne side, a lot of the guys would be taken, but what do you see from the from the Storm and the Broncos in this one? Um, with the Storms, um, Tom Eisenhuth, from memory, he, he is in my team, so I've been keeping an eye on his injury. Last round, I believe it was like a rib cartilage or could be even a broken rib. So I was a bit, you know, a bit peed off that Bellamy named Tom Eisenhuth there, knowing I have a feeling he is going to be <laughs> out. Um, so let's assume that he is out. My guess is going to be Chris Lewis coming in, um, watching his performance last week. He did look, you know, hungry for the ball, so that's a really good sign. Whether he does get the ball on that second front row edge as opposed to the middle is another question. But, you know, I think grabbing that Chris Lewis a little early, just hope for the best. Um, 
uh, Bellamy could also pull a Kamikamifa, you know, switch to lock. I think that worked really well um, in terms of how his impact was, um, was used. Uh, so definitely if he's on your waiver, pick him up right now, I'd say. Uh, over to the Broncos, um, you know, presuming that Matt Lodge's injury has, you know, encouraged some people to drop him to the waivers. Maybe you could pick him up. Uh, I don't, he did have a, you know, history of really good PPMs, whether he has that minutes now with uh, four, you know, fours on the bench is another question. Um, and I think that's about it for, for the Broncos. Did you see anything that spices your interest, Matt? No, Kamakamika is the big one for me from the Melbourne side. Like you said, he's picked up in our league, but if he's on anyone's free agents, I would pick him up straight away. You know, even with Dalfa Nukem coming back, I can see Kamakamika playing a real big role this season. From a Bronco side, you know, like you said, Lodge. But to me, the real big one here is, I know you are the owner here, so I'm not talking about you, but I would go anyone who's a TPJ owner in their comps. Some people might be discouraged that he's back on the bench. I would be going to the TPJ owner and throwing a little offer there to try and steal him. I think his impact off the bench will still be, you know, it's still going to be very, very valuable. Uh, and, you know, Matt Lodge, you know, a hammy injury. It could spice up again. You know, I could definitely, like I said, I could definitely see him moving in a lock at some stage this season. They could even throw him on an edge. So that's probably my one. The TPJ owner, try and target him. You know, try and sell, you know, he's on the bench. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll help you out and try and give you something. Uh, that'd be my approach there. We'll move on to the next game. It's the Cronulla Sharks hosting the North Queensland Cowboys. A couple of forced changes for the Sharks. Sione Katoa is out with a knee injury. So Murata Hi- uh, Hiroti is back on the wing. Britton Nakora is suspended. So that brings uh, Wilton uh, to the starting lineup and Billy Trindle has been named on the bench. Uh, similar to Trent Barrett, uh, we've got Todd Payton who's just swung the axe in a couple of really interesting ones. So Jake Clifford has been dropped. Ben Hampton moves into the seven. Isan Masters has been dropped. So that means that Justin O'Neill partners Lamelu in the centres with Fido uh, moving to the wing. The back row has been dumped. So Ruben Cotter is out. Mitch Dunn and Cohen is back to the bench. A new back row of Condon and Wright. And Maguire has been uh, elevated into the starting lineup. So we'll start from the Shark side, Chris. Obviously, a couple of forced changes, but the way that they battled on for half a game with 13 players... It was pretty outstanding. And, you know, this is one I'm going to pretty much cop right up week four weeks in. I thought this Sharks I would be pretty lifeless without Sean Johnson, but I've been proven otherwise. I think John Morris has really got this team up. What have you been seeing from the Sharks, especially last week's game? I think, yeah, you really hit the nail on the head there. I think before they did rely too heavily on Sean Johnson and definitely props to John Morris to really, you know, drive into the players. Like, look, you know, this isn't a Sean Johnson team. This is a Sharks team. You, you know, you guys play for each other. And I think Chad Townsend and Matt Moore have done an excellent job at controlling the the team. Um, they may not have been outstanding halves, like, you know, like a Kiri or like a Munster, but they definitely have played really well together. And you can see that in the backs, how they really shine. You know, for example, me being the Will Kennedy owner, I've seen, you know, them giving him early ball, seeing him that he is a really good runner of the ball, that he has, you know, made it to the trial line quite a few times. Um, forwards are just rolling really well. You know, they have a great sort of interchange, you know, young forwards hungry for the ball. Um, Aiden Tolman rotating really well, providing that leadership, really enjoy seeing that. So I think just them playing as a team is the biggest thing that I've noticed definitely across the, the entire the entire part. Yeah, and, you know, you again, another unsung hero, Will Kennedy, one of your boys, um, just re- a real solid fullback. And, you know, to me, there's a couple of clubs in the, 
that in the NRL that would just love to have a Will Kennedy. And it's going to be a real shame when he does, when Sean Johnson does come back, and they're probably going to have to move Moylan to fullback, and that probably does mean Will Kennedy goes back into New South Wales Cup. It's a real shame because I just think he's really cementing himself for his next contract. He's going to be a player to really monitor. Really, really upsetting about uh, Sione Katoa. Had a really good season last year. Started the season really well again this year. So hopefully not out for too long with his one. But we'll move on to the Cowboys. Like we said, a lot of changes. Uh, what do you think about Todd Payton? You know, rumours that players have already called an emergency meeting to talk about, you know, trying to reinvigorate. I don't know if you saw the Josh McGuire interview where he just put his teammates on blast. What do you think from the Cowboys? You know, another, another one of these teams that's really under fire four weeks in. Oh, I didn't really fully watch the Cowboys game last time, but I did see a, a bit of a glimpse of how they sort of attack. You know, their set plays, I'd say, has been pretty good, particularly off the scrum. Um, but it's just the way that they were they were just getting monstered back. I, I just feel like the forwards aren't really playing like forwards. They're just scared to take on that that line like they, they used to. And I think it's just they're just waiting for that Tamalo to come back and just take that the really difficult first hit, tire the forwards out, and then they sort of, you know, reap the rewards off that. I think it was a good move to put Josh Maguire back into the 13. I think everyone was shocked that Cotter was there for, you know, the last two weeks, I'd say. Um, you know, not very good for me. I'm versing the owner with Josh Maguire. Um, but, yeah, I, I think, you know, Todd Payton has done the move that I wish Des Hassler would have made with the Manny side, just swing the axe. Like, you know, just, just do us a favour and just see – you know, what's the worst that could really happen? Sure, you, you could lose, but if you use the same team, you're still going to lose. At least you, maybe you can find some shining lights, you know? Yeah, I've been really critical of the Cowboys, you know. I feel like, you know, they won the title in 2015. You know, they signed a couple of really big contracts. You know, the Michael Morgan, from all reports, looks like he's going to be medically retired within the next two weeks. Um, but then you just look at some of these ones, like, you know, Jake Clifford wasn't going to – he's gone next season. So I'm really surprised that Todd Payton even put him in there to start with. I thought, you know, he'd look to the future. But to me, you're putting out Clifford to put in Ben Hampton. We've seen Ben Hampton in every iteration and every position on the field. Are we are, – are we, that's a sideways move in my opinion. But he made it. You know, uh, Lamelo moving in with O'Neill in the centre, that's got to be one of the worst centre pairings in the league. You know, to me, a really good club with the talent of a Colin Hess – from, you know, three seasons ago, you know, you don't lose talent like that. Like, he was one of the best young edge-damaging um, second rollers in the comp. He's now benched. Like, you know, Des, um, sorry, Wayne brought him into Origin last season. You know, he wasn't in the best form, but Wayne said, look at the talent. I've got to give him a go. He lasted 31 minutes, got pulled from the first in the first game, never came back on the field, and didn't play the rest of the series. So... I, I just don't know what he does. Like, you know, Todd Payton looked like he was a bit of a player whisperer with the Warriors last year. But to me, if Colin Hess and Mitch Dunn, you know, who, you know, he touted as this is my second repairing and they're both gone within four weeks, you know, I don't mind it. You know, Condon and Wright, they might do better. They might put in a lot more effort than them. But I guess holistically, how do we see this game going? Do we see the Cowboys changes making a difference or do we see the Sharks, you know, a bit injury depleted, but they'll get the job done? I think... This is going to come down to definitely the the Sharks are going to win this. Um, may not be by too much. I'm hoping that the Cowboys, with their changes, sort of instills that you know little spice to to the way that they play. Um, you know, you mentioned Ben Hampton. 
Nathan, yeah, we've seen him pretty much in all positions of the back line at this point. Um, still haven't really seen any, you know, wow to his sort of play style. Uh, I'm hoping that he does play a bit more of a controlling sort of, you know, half so that Scott Drinkwater can unlock his sort of running and passing game a bit more. You know, I think he's going to be the the Michael Morgan 2.0 in this case. He needs to sort of like take take this team on. Um, love to see Valentine Holmes at fullback. Love, love to see that. Um, Tabuai Fido, I don't know why he was in the centers previously. You know, if we want to see him in full flight, we don't see that in the centers. You know, we see that on the wings when we get that sort of cutout ball. Um, scrolling through to the second front rows, I haven't seen Condon play. Fingers crossed he has a great debut. Um, Shane Wright, we see in the past, you know, nothing spectacular, but, you know, maybe top and see something with him. So they, he's put him in there for a reason. Um, but I, I reckon I would have seen I would like to see Lachlan Burr back in the signing site, back yeah. in the sort of 11 or 12. He 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 knows how to run a line. I think he should have been in that sort of position. Uh, it could be Shane Wright could have gone to the bench, in my opinion. Well, I, I would have even said, you know, Jordan McLean, who, you know, hasn't really played his best footy in the last two, three years. Wouldn't mind seeing Lachlan Burr in the front row with Francis Molo, just two guys that tuck the ball under and, you know, try and make metres. But, you know, we said a couple or in these first four games, you know, you've got a Des Hasler, a Trent Barrett, and a Todd Payton, and throw a Kevy Walters in there. Just four coaches that are looking for sparks. You know, some guys have stuck true, um, like uh, Brisbane and Manly. You got the Dogs and the Cowboys just swinging the axe. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. They'll be interesting. From a waivers, you know, we've mentioned a couple of them. Is there anyone for you um, that you're looking at here? Uh, maybe Teague Wilton. I remember I watched his game. I think it was last season. He did play one game starting. He did score the the try, um, but he did look very active on that edge. I believe that his his preferred role as well. So maybe that could be a cheeky pickup for for maybe a week or two while Nakora is out. Um, the bench for the Sharks, nothing too exciting there. Uh, Billy Magulis. He was a bit ill-disciplined, but I'm sure he'll definitely bounce back. So I would love to see maybe he could get a few more minutes. Would be nice to see. Uh, with the Cowboys, there's just so many changes. I think this is just going to be a wait-and-see approach. You know, the fact that Todd Payne could swing the axe and make this many changes in that one week, you know, no no position is safe. So I would probably stay a bit clear away from the Cowboys unless you have one of them sort of um, in short spots, you know, Valentine Holmes, a Scott Drinkwater, you know, Josh McGuire, I'd say. Other than that, just wait and see, see what happens for this week. Yeah, agreed. For me... I've got three shark ones I want to throw out. I'll be making a play at all three of them in our league. So I think Hiroti and Connor Tracy, I think both of them on, on an edge. And I've also got Teague Wilton, like you said. I, I would start and play all three of them if I was able to get them in. Um, I just really like the matchup. You know, like you said, a lot of changes. Um, it's like, you know, a Lamelu and Fido edge. I don't, I don't see that as a defensive stopper to me. So that'll be interesting. Um, and like you said, the, the Cowboys side, they're all on there's no no player safe from the looks of it. So if you wanted to start someone, maybe a Condon or a Ride, if you're really, really short in the second row and you just need someone to plug a gap and get you a 40, maybe. But that that's that's all that really interests me um, from a cowboy side. We'll move on to the next game. It's the Gold Coast Titans hosting the Canberra Raiders. No changes for the Titans, but one interesting note. So it did happen pre-game last week. So Tino moved to prop. Peachy moved to lock and Ford Awaker moved to the bench. So just an interesting one there. Brian Kelly is listed in the reserves. So it looks like he is closing in on a return. 
For the Raiders, Joe Tarpany is out, which moves Ryan Sutton to lock. Dynamis Louis moves back into the proposition. Uh, Curtis Scott is out with a rib injury. So Sebastian Chris moves into the centers and Hudson Young retains his place in the second row. This is probably the first game of the round that is really intriguing in terms of a nice close matchup. What do you see happening here, Chris? Yeah, I'm I'm seeing the times they're going to come out and just want to to win this as badly as I did last week. You know, those changes you mentioned, Tina to prop, you know, Pichu to to lock, and then uh, Foto Waker to the bench. I think that was a brilliant decision. I think Tina playing that middle lock, you know, like we said, we don't want a chunky lock anymore. We want someone with a bit more ball playing abilities. I think Pichu really offered that with what, I think two line breaks and a try assist, I believe. Yep. Tina was a lot more damaging in that sort of prop position. He didn't have to worry about that you know, being in that sort of, uh, you know, the second man sort of runs. He just has to just stand there and just, you know, run it straight. Uh, Foto Waker just came up with that X factor. And I think that's what he should have been used for from the beginning is that X factor. And you look at that bench, the Sonny, uh, Jolof, you know, they're just really sort of big characters. And I think all of them have, you know, scored at least a try this season, I believe, at this point. Um, yeah. yeah. And for Fida, oh, he's looking like a bark in this point. What do you think? Oh, it's... The way, because he's such a big boy, you know, the way he just runs at the small, like he just, he can run at that, that, that half on his side. You know, he looked at, he looked at Milford in the Broncos game and he said, yep, that's my guy. I'll take him last week. He's like, okay, yep. Jay Clifford's there. I'll run him over. So I just love, I love that they're trying to really get him some nice early ball and get him on those one-on-one matchups because when he's one-on-one with a half, there's not many halves in the game, probably less than five that can actually tackle him one-on-one. It's going to be such a challenge. So like you said, Tino up prop, love that. Peachy is a lock. He's always one of those guys. You don't know exactly where he can play on the field, but you just know he needs to be on the field. He's one of those guys, like we said. Um, and, you know, they're doing this and they're starting to play some really good footy, two big wins in a row against the Queensland rivals without Brian Kelly, probably one of their best outside backs. So really, really good to see Justin Holbrook getting them into a, into a position. Because like you said, that, that bench, they don't lose anything when they bring on a Joloff and a Lasone through the middle, you know, a Fort Awaker coming in. And, you know, Aaron Clark, one of the better bench hookers in the comp, uh, he's turning into one of those. So I really like it. What about from a Raiders side here? Obviously, Tarpany is a big out, uh, but what, what, what do you see happening here? Uh, what do I see? I'm seeing some very positive signs with Sebastian Chris being back in the lineup. I think um, Ricky Stewart thought, you know what, he's the man to sort of, you know, really... Uh, spark the sort of back line. Um, what else am I saying? Dunamis Louis, he's back. Yep, he's taking his role as per usual. Uh, Sutton, not a Tarpany, but he, you could see he was really solid in that sort of front row. And I think, you know, lock prop sort of rotation, I don't really see too much of a difference in terms of, you know, the hit-ups. But definitely, I think he will be a bit more ball playing in that sense in the sort of second man runs. Um, I, I reckon I thought I would have seen Ryan James maybe even starting. Well, what would you think? I, I would have expected him to do that. Yeah, it's it's hard, right? Because Hudson Young being back, so obviously him on an edge, I like that with Whitehead, you know, they, they're going to be there. But I just think the way Ryan Sutton played last week, um, played some really big minutes with all the injuries and was still able to get through his work. And even at the end of the game, he was still one of those Raider fours that had, had some punch in his running. So I don't mind it. Look, you know, Ryan James did get a really bad head knock last week. So... Probably, you know, they'll, he's coming off two ACL injuries, probably still trying to work him and integrate him into this side. Uh, but, you know, if, if Tarpany is out for, you know, three, four weeks, I could easily see Ryan James moving in maybe next week with another 
full run under his belt. Because um, Ryan James is one of those two really talented guys that no matter where you put him in the fourth pack, he's going to do a job for Ricky Stewart. So mm. I don't think you lose. But like you said, Sebastian Chris is a really interesting one. Another one I have to be you know wrong about four weeks in. I thought Matt Tomoko was going to be that next center, the next back coming in. You know, he looked really promising last year. And, you know, Sebastian Chris had a couple of good games, but, you know, didn't really jump off the screen. But this year, he just looks like he's put on a little bit more size um, and he's just really running it. So, you know, last week, Ricky put him in the in the second row because he just wanted to get him on the field with the way he started in the centers. Curtis Scott now being out, unfortunately, with his injury, just opens back up the door for Chris. And, you know, it might be one of those ones where we don't see Curtis Scott again. I could easily see Sebastian Chris, you know, having two or three really big weeks and Ricky Stewart going, I can't leave this guy out. I could definitely see that happening. So it'll be an interesting one there. What about the waivers for this one? I think both teams have some really interesting ones. Hmm. To have a look, uh, Sebastian Chris, as we mentioned, if he is still on the waivers, definitely pick him up. Um, I think this one's more towards the bench side of things because looking at the sort of starting lineup of both both sides, I think most of them would have already been picked up by, you know, the people on the team. So maybe if Lasani or Jolliffe, you know, if they continue to get large minutes like that, I think they could definitely be waiver options to plug holes. Um, Ryan James, DPP, as discussed last time, could potentially, you know, get increased minutes as we go on. Um, but that's about it from my sort of end. What about you, Matt? Yeah, the bench fours, like you said, Jolliffe, uh, Lasone, uh, I like those ones. Uh, from from a Raider side, Ryan Sutton's in our waivers. I think he'll be one of the first five picked. I think someone will just pick him up, maybe even uh, the Tarpanay owner. Uh, Dynamis is an interesting one, always been on the waiver. You know, doesn't really get through a lot of work. But in some matchups, I, I won't mind playing a Dynamis play. Um, if he gets around that 35, 40 minutes, he always works when he's on the field. He can snag a meat pie, so I don't mind that. Um, the only one I will mention again, similar to the TPJ owner, I would probably go to the Tarpane owner in your league if he has started out slow and needs a couple of wins and, you know, wants to maybe move on from Joe. I'll probably go there and maybe offer something because, you know, we have seen Tarpane when he's on the field. Uh, he's, he's a real damaging uh, ball runner. He's starting to pick up that, that sneaky little footwork and passing game around the ruck. So I, I don't mind that. I would, that's probably my number one thing from this one is from a Titan side, go to the Peachy owner and say, what can we do? You know, he's a center second row jewel. So you can stick him in your centers as, as a starting lock. Very handy. Uh, and the Tarpane owner would probably be my two. Mm. We'll move on to the next game. It's the Newcastle Knights hosting the St. George Illawarra Dragons. For the Knights, Bradman Best out with his elbow injury. So uh, Shibasaki moves into the centers with Stafford Toll back on the wing. And Blake Green moves into this number 17 jersey. So he's back from his ACL injury. Brody Jones drops off the bench. For the Dragons, Ben Hunt is out with his broken leg. So Adam Clune moves straight into the seven. Jack Bird is suspended. So Braden Williami moves into the centers. And the new men on the bench is uh, Faegi and Blacker on the bench. How do you see this one going? Another close one. We're starting to get some real good matchups now at the end of the end of the round. Oh, we talked about it last time, Matt, when you mentioned it. We can see the Knights going on a really long roll here if they continue to take on, you know, additional wins. Um, you know, McDonald, Jones Stadium, Newcastle, you can't go past the Knights with the way that they're playing, you know, with more players to come back and the way they're playing. They they are title contenders at this point. They still haven't had Ponga to come back at this point. Imagine him being in this back line and just turning everything, you know, just to that extra sort of level. I think, you know, for next week, 
when he i'm not too sure actually when he's coming back but when he does come back i think he will definitely make the side just so much better um but for this game yeah i'm sorry to say dragons this is going to be the knights game yeah, I've had a, a couple of my Knights fans this week, you know, obviously really discouraged by the Tigers' performance. Um, but a couple of things I did mention to them. They had 18 errors. You're not going to win a game with 18 errors. That's not going to happen every week. So let's just we'll, – we'll put that down to that was bad luck. Like you said, they've got some real players coming back. Edric Lee scheduled back next week. Blake Green back on the bench this week. you got Caelan Ponga possibly back next week. So there's some guys, you know, J- uh, Jacob Saifidi got injured last week. It was just a. It was a. It was one of those ones where all these small little things add up, and you eat a loss. It's unfortunate, you know. We did say you know they could be eight and oh, nine and oh, but you know what? Maybe that's the best thing they needed. They needed to get a little bit of a wake up call. Adam O'Brien's going to get him in, like you said. Mm. I think I think this is the Newcastle Knights game. I really really like the inclusion of Blake Green. We saw last year when he was in this team, he just offers. Because, you know, again, all my Knights fans, the one thing that they just don't like about this team is the fifth tackle options. They just don't think when they're in the attacking 30, you know, Mitch Pierce or Kurt Mann can put in that attacking kick or that right, that choose the right option. I think I think Blake Green is perfect at that. He will sum it up perfectly. He'll that little stab grubber into the end goal, the crossfield bomb when it's needed. I think, you know, they're on an easy min. Kurt Mann's doing a job, but Blake Green within two, three weeks will be in that sixth jersey. They'll have Kalen Ponga back. They'll have Edric Lee back. They'll be flying. From a dragon side, it's really unfortunate that Ben Hunt got injured because they started to play some really good footy the last two weeks. And you know what? Adam Clune, one of the better sevens that you could you can throw in, you know, that they, they obviously lose a lot. Ben Hunt's a great player. And even Jack Bird, you know, that was really unfortunate that he got suspended. Um, he was starting to, you know, get some match fitness in. But Braden Willie Army, again, a player that you can plug in to most back line. So it's gonna be an even game. I do give the Knights the benefit of the doubt at home. I think they're gonna come back firing. Uh, from a waivers perspective in this one, um, obviously some of the injuries has now brought in some guys to, to bring in. I'll start. Blake Green for me is going to be one of my waivers again. Uh, he's going to be a stash on the bench because, again, I just think I've already got Mitch Pierce, so I would have Blake Green and Mitch Pierce. But, again, like we said, I do think that Newcastle are running in some form. They've got a nice draw coming up. Palin back there, I could see some points. What do you reckon? Yeah, definitely. Um, from waivers, Blake Green is a really good pickup. And you can also even use them as a trade piece, just waiting for, you know, they're not listening to your podcast. You know, Kurt Mann, I feel like he's going to make his way out of this team at some point. So I think maybe just offering that to the Kurt Mann owner in case uh, they're not, you know, paying attention, you know, just to sort of replace him when he does sort of drop out and they're looking for that additional 5 eighth. Um, a bit concerning with the Mitch Barnett sort of injury, I mm-hmm. would have expected him to sort of, you know, rest him. And on that topic, Barnett, I think we jinxed him last last week uh, Matt we talked about how good his kicking was and I think that was also the difference one of the difference between them winning it in the end as well yeah um, don't want to yeah. have the podcast, cur- the podcast curse opening up within four <laughs> rounds but you know we did say the Knights would go undefeated in the first nine rounds we said Barnett would knock him over but you know what again like I said it, it looked like it was just I watched every minute of the game with Rich uh, on the on the couch and that just looked like everything that could have gone wrong went wrong it was I think yes I think most teams have at least one of those a season where you just look and go, no matter what we did, it wasn't going to work. And I think that was, we just, Knights fans need to talk that up um, and start fresh. And I think this is a good game. You know, our, our, dra- our Ben Huntless Dragons is a nice start to really try and get the momentum back um, with a big, a big uh, week of training. 
From a Dragons side, any interest in uh, Adam Clune there for six weeks? Um, I would say if you are desperate, I was an Adam Clune owner towards the end of last year, mainly because of all the sort of restings of, you know, the team. And also when my Sean Johnson was injured, I did plug him in. He sort of didn't do as well unless he got that sort of try in him. Um, he he just looked like a controlling half rather than one to sort of be the chief, I guess, playmaker in that point. I think if you look at that team, I think Corey Norman, the way he's been playing, I think if he just continued doing what he does, I think he's going to be the larger um, beneficiary. Um, the other one that I wanted to chat about was definitely Paul Vaughan. Um, you know, we look back maybe two years ago during our draft, he was one of those sort of elite props. But you look at the way he's been used this year and towards the end of last year, his minutes are just fading and fading. I feel like he's just losing confidence. What about you? Yeah, he he was my fourth round pick last year. So obviously in a, in our 12-man league, he was one of the first 40 players off the board. And now you look at it, Daniel Alvaro and Blake Laurie are, pro- are probably better starts in a fantasy league than Paul Vaughan, unfortunately. It's really surprising because, you know, he has got a game that, you know, he's got an offload in him. Um, he carries the ball well, but for whatever reason, Hook has just looked at it. And, and you know, I, another another first-year coach who's come in and, you know, he's really making his stamp on this side and he's probably looking at it and going, because you know, aside in that Cowboys game, the Cowboys really jumped the Dragons at the start. Paul Vaughan was getting manhandled a bit. Alvaro mm. came on and did a job. So I think Hook's just kind of looked at it and said, this is how I want to see this team go. And, you know, that means Paul Vaughan goes from 55 minutes down to 40 minutes. If he thinks that's going to be best for the team, it sucks for super coach owners who drafted him high, but there's some options there because that forward pack, like I said before the season, the one reason why I was kind of really, they were one of my real dark horse teams in terms of I could see them finishing in seventh or 15th. And the reason is because it's a really weird forward pack because, you know, a guy like Paul Vaughan kind of looks expendable at the moment. You know, Tarek Sims, who was injured the last two years, had a really good game last week. If, if Tarek Sims is going to be, that Tarek Sims, and that brings an extra element, you know, and we're talking about it, you know, they wanted to put Jack Bird in the centres at the start of the season to get his legs under him to possibly move him in a local second row. So they've got a lot of options. So I do like the future of the Dragons here. Like I said, it sucks that Ben Hunt got injured. But like you said, this is just an opportunity for Corey Norman to really put his stamp on his team now. I I have made an inquiry, Stephen, in our league about Corey Norman because I'm intrigued. Um, He's dual, he's fullback 5'8". And... Mm. He's the clear, the very clear playmaker in this side for the next six weeks. So it's going to be very interesting from a Dragons perspective. Is there anyone else on the waivers that we haven't mentioned that you just want to throw out there to anyone listening? Uh, in terms of waivers, maybe you could look at a Shibasaki. He may look really weak on the wing. I don't think that's his preferred position. I think he is going to play the center a lot better, but away from the high ball. Um, maybe he, because in our league, I think centers are actually starting to become really short, in my opinion. Um, yeah. uh, with the Dragons, it's weird to say, you know, Alvara, I'm looking at Alvara over Vaughn at, at, at some point. It's just so weird, like you discussed it. Um, but yeah, if Alvara can just keep increasing his sort of usage, he could definitely be someone I would pick up as a stash away. Um, Willyame, um, I think he proved in the past that he can score, you know, pretty decent, I'd say. Um, and I think. Even Cody Ramsey, I, most likely he's already been picked up, but I think he's starting to pick up his usage rate. You know, for me, when I pick my 
sort of center wings. I'm looking for usage rates rather than, um, I guess, ability to score tries. And I think that's why, in my opinion, I stayed away from from stains and I went for, you know, if someone can just score, you know, 20s and 30s in just base stats, I'm happy about that because, you know, the tries will naturally come. It's just a matter of time. But if you're not working hard to get those tries, it, I'm not looking at you at all. So, you know, I'm looking at Cody Ramsey, maybe hit up my brother who has him. Yeah. See if I can get a trade off him. Yeah. Nah, that's a good good shout. We'll move on to the second last game of the round. Probably, the, to me, the most interesting one. It's the Sydney Roosters hosting the New Zealand Warriors. The Roosters ravaged by injury, so we'll go through it. Luke Keery, ACL gone. Lachlan Lamb, MCL gone. So Drew Hutchison and Sam Walker are the new half. Sam Walker finally gets his debut. Lindsay Collins out with HIA, so Isaac Liu moves into the prop rotation. Victor Radley now moves into the, into the 13 jersey, making his return from injury. Matt Ikovalu and Nat Butcher are on the bench. And just to note, because everyone wants to know, Joseph Swali is on the reserves. For the Warriors, Pedahiku is out for a month with a knee injury, so Marcelo Montoya moves into the centres. And a little rotation um, shuffle in the four packs. So we've got Bailey Sirena moving back into the second row, Tohu Harris to lock, and Jazz Devanga back to the bench. Like I said, this is the most interesting one to me. I just want to see how the Roosters go with these wholesale changes. What what do you make of this game as a whole? And then moving into the Roosters talk. As a whole, my God, this is one I would probably just drop everything and just sit and watch. You know, just there's just so many exciting things that are going to happen in this game. Um, I wouldn't even be surprised if this came down to a field goal. You know, um, I reckon the Warriors, if they are, you know, on just like they were last week, if Tui Vasashek has that fantastic game that he had last week, just, you know, two weeks in a row, I can see him push this, you know, to at least a field, a field goal sort of game. What about you? Yeah, it's it's so hard because, you know, from a tipping perspective, right, you know, you've got your Panthers, your Rabbits, your Storm, and you had your Roosters who were just your clear cut, pick them every week. But now the Roosters, we just need to see it because, you know, you go from Luke Keery, one of the best playmakers in the game, to Drew Hodgson, Sam Walker, and all the raps on Sam Walker, but we don't know who he is yet in the, in the NRL. You know, Lindsay Collins was turning into one of the best props in the game. He's now out, you know, hopefully just for a week. Uh, Isaac Liu will do a job, but, you know, he's no Lindsay Collins. And Victor Radley, you know, one of the best promising 13s in the game, he's coming off an ACL injury. So it's just so many question marks around this Roosters team. And, you know, James Tedesco, the best player on, on, on the planet, you know, can he lift this load? Because to me, I don't know about you, but I just feel like we're going to see his hands on them. He already touches the ball a lot. We're going to see him touching the ball a lot more this game. Mm, definitely agree with that. Yeah, because I think people, with all the hype around Sam Walker from a super coach point of view, I I personally won't be picking up Sam Walker unless I'm really desperate or if I really have you know, someone that I really don't like. Mainly because just watching the way the Roosters played, um, you know, with Lock and Lamb there before, it it was still a Kiri Tedesco show. Like we all talked about how, you know, um, when we thought that Lock and Lamb was going to come in and just play, you know, an additional set of hands, I just kept seeing Tedesco. I just kept seeing Kiri. It was just either one of those two. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the Drew Hutchinson, Sam Walker sort of pairing, this is still going to be a learning round. They're, they're not going to make the, the big decisions. I, I still think that, you know, the board's going to get to Tedesco. Sure, Walker will, you know, put the big kick down. But I think even, you know, you know, a crossfield bomb, you could even see a Joseph Manu doing that. You know, he has that sort of 5 eighth experience. Um, yeah, 
like you said, I think whoever has James Tedesco is just going to sit back and enjoy the ball or just be in his hands, like, you know, increase maybe at least 20, 30% of the time, I'd say. So, yeah. And, you know, obviously increased touches means an increased workload on Tedesco. So, does that mean maybe he gets rested in some rounds closer to origin? It just throws his whole season into, you know, the Roosters in, in a bit of a flux right now because, you know, it was, you know, I came onto the pod, uh, for the round review, and I said, you know, Luke Keery, and I said it was one of the 10 worst injuries that could have happened to any title contender, and I, I stand by it. Luke Keery is just, he's one of those players, you know, he doesn't get the wraps off. He's not a flashy guy like a Ponga or a Tedesco, but he just, he's the heart and soul of the attack of this Rooster side. He gets it all started, so it's going to be so interesting to see uh, what happens there. Uh, but from a Warriors side, we spoke, you spoke a little bit about it, Roger Tuovasa-Sheck really leaving it all out there in his last season. The Warriors, they lose another outside back in Hiku, uh, but Montoya will come in. They're, they're playing some really good footy under Nathan Brown. And, you know, again, I have to eat crow he, in the predictions. I did say Nathan Brown, you know, that was my one concern for the Warriors of how he would, you know, bring his his style onto this team. But they're fighting for him. And it really shows, you know, you lose a Harris Tavita, who a lot of people pegged as their MVP before the season. You know, they bring in a Sean O'Sullivan who came over from the Broncos last season and they they got up in Canberra, yes, against a shorthanded Canberra side, but they got the job done making that huge comeback. What, what are you seeing from the, the Warriors this season? I'm just seeing them finally displaying the potential that we all hope for. You know, every year, you know, ever since, you know, Sam Tompkins coming over, we always said, you know, this is their year, this is their year. But just seeing them play from the very first round, we already knew it was going to be the same sort of, you know, thing we're going to get every year. But I think this is the first year in a very long time where I think, you know, they're actually finally living up to the hype that, you know, we all had for them. If they just have this, you know, they've always had the exciting, you know, play to their game. But I think now it's that exciting play has led to consistency. That was the biggest thing was they just weren't consistent with that, you know, great plays. And I think, you know, the way that Roger Tuivasa-Shek sort of just at the very last play to sort of, you know, save them from, you know, a comeback from the Raiders just shows that, you know what, they're here. They're here to sort of try their very best, you know, send them out on that high, I'd say. It's such a great point because, you know, the Warriors from three, four, five years ago, when George Williams throws that, that ball over to Rapana, you know, that was three years ago, Rapana walks over untouched. You know, that's the type of team that they, you know, they just would have, it just would have been like that for a Warriors fan. But, you know, he just sprinted over, punched the ball out. But to me, the, the real – and I thought it would, it would be a big signing, but Adam Fanua Blake has just been huge in their middle. It really just solidifies their middle as one of the best ones in, in the pack. You know, the way he just cuts the ball forward, he just makes 15 metres for a living. And, you know, him with Tohu, who, again, Tohu at, at Melbourne, he's one, one of these rare forwards that gets better with age. You know, when he was when he was on the edge for the Melbourne Storm, he was a good player, but – the way he's kind of like revitalized his game as a real shifty around the middle. You know, we always say in this podcast, you know, the the stocky 13 that doesn't do much. Tohu's a bit different than that because he's got that kind of body shape, but he's very crafty around the middle of the ball and he just casts the ball and casts the ball. So I love what they're doing. I love their forward pack. And, you know, a guy like Wade Egan with no backup hooker has been doing a job. You've got him in your fantasy side. So you've seen a bit of him. But to me, there's just there's not a weak link in this Warrior side. And you love to see because, you know, when the Warriors do do well, I think it is good for the comp because, you know, they've got a very passionate fan base and there's some great players in this side that we're now truly seeing. 
from a waivers perspective in this one, what, what are you seeing? Obviously, we did speak about Hutchinson and Walker. You're not going to pick them up. But who, who else are we looking at in this one for both sides? Uh, uh, from both sides, I'm probably, for me personally, I'm looking at uh, David Fusatua. Um, if you look at his stats, he's like slowly starting to pick up the, the usage rate. So I don't really have the, the, the actual specific numbers up with me, but I believe in the last game, he had like pretty much almost up to 30 hit-ups for more than eight metres. So he's basically almost up to Ken Mamola state. So, you know, he hasn't scored that try so far, but that's about 30, 35 points from memory just off base stats. You know, he could have a try even without a line break and that's hit the score already. So he's one of my higher targets to replace my Eisenhuth for this week. I think a lot of the boys in our group just seem to look at the scores, but not looking at how the scores sort of come about. And I think that's how I sort of shape my game. Um, Sean O'Sullivan did really well. Um, I think, you know, once he does settle in a bit more into the position, he will start to score even better. But from what I've seen so far, I think he's really doing, he's doing really well in terms of, you know, playing for this Warriors side. Um, looking across the rest of the team, you mentioned Ben Murdoch Masilla again. Well, we're, we're not going to talk about the try. We're just going to say he, he he scored that try, try in our fan square. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I think he's starting to sell in really well. Um, whether he can displace Katoa or Sirinan is another thing, but those two are playing pretty well at this point. Um, looking over to the Rusa side, Nothing in particular that could be on the waivers. We mentioned Bradley. Hopefully, you know, for me, for my sake, Victor Bradley does have a huge game. Mm. Um, on the bench, you know, Warrior Hargraves, you know, he may not have had the best, you know, game last game in terms of discipline, but, you know, I don't see him having two bad games in a row. He could definitely be a good pickup. Um, and Nat Butcher, he's just been someone who just thrives on, you know, such a high PPM. I think if he gets used long enough in that middle forward, I think he'll be really good and potentially you as well, getting his hands on the ball a bit more in the forward pack. What about you? Yeah, I agree, I agree with all the ones you said. The one I will mention, you did mention him there, Victor Radley. Uh, Going to have to play a really big role in this recent attack. You know, we did say he offers a lot of shape. Uh, traditionally, he's the guy who gives the ball to Kiri or gives the ball to Tedesco. Um, he's going to have to really, you know, he's going to be more of a 6 than a 13 to me in this side. So, uh, again, you've got him. Uh, and anyone who hasn't got him in a league, try and grab him through trade or waivers because I think he's going to be – he'll be pl- basically playing the 6 in this, in this side. I think Drew Hutchinson would – because Drew Hutchinson is, is, a, is a decent half, but, you know, I could definitely see him and Radley doing a bit of switch and Hutchinson just doing more of a hit-up role versus Radley being a bit more of a ball player. I could definitely see that switch. So one to keep an eye on. But, yeah, I think you, you covered most of them. Walker, Hutchinson, and then from the Warriors, O'Sullivan, if you are lacking a half as well. Now we'll talk to on. me, Matt. Before yeah. we move on, talk to me. Do you think Trent Robinson's going to tease us with Suwali being on the reserves there? Are you going to be the one to pick him up? Because we all know, Matt, you are the one to pick up these little cheeky pickups. So what's your thought on Suwali? I, I do love a cheeky pickup. Uh, personally, no. I just don't see, unless there's another injury to the outside backs, I don't see a path for him to get onto, the, onto this side. You know, the Morris boys, Manu, Tupo, Tedesco, like the one to five, he's not breaking this side unless an injury. So he's definitely going to come in during the origin period. Um, but the fact that Matt Ikevalu is on the bench, shows that Matt is ahead of him as well in the pecking order. So mm. um, you've got to wait for an injury. You've got to wait for origin. 
But you know what? Like we say, if you're a guy who just dashes for uh, youngsters, injury suspensions, you might as well pick up a Suwali now because we're already around four. By the time Origin rolls around in, I think it's only about seven weeks now, six or seven weeks. Um, he's gonna be he'll he'll get into that squad eventually because you've got to imagine Tedesco will be in, Tupo will be in, Satori too. So Ikebala will come in. You're probably looking at Suwali. So in a, in a deep mm. league, especially, um, he's gonna be picked up. You know, it wouldn't surprise me this week if someone sees the, him in the twenty jersey and just grab him, but. Won't be me. So he'll still be there for you if you if you need him. Hmm. We'll move into the last game of the round. It's the Easter Monday showdown. The West Tigers versus the Parramatta Eels. For the Tigers, they are unchanged 1-17 to from their win against the Knights. For the Parramatta Eels, only the one change. Ryan Madison is back from concussion. That moves Isaiah Papali'i back to the interchange bench. Um, Keegan Hipgrave moving to the reserves. Mitch Moses has been named, even though he did suffer a HIA and looked like he picked up a little calf injury. So that's one to monitor throughout the week. Um, this is always one for me, the Easter Monday match. For some reason, I just always feel like I have bad memories from this game. Uh, <laughs> whether Pat Richard kicking goals or Guffo get hurting his knee, I just never feel good about this game. So I'm nervous as a Parramatta fan to put our undefeated record on the line here. But what do you see? How do you see this game going? Uh, I don't know what it is. I'm not supportive of either team, but I just love seeing a West Tigers versus an Eels game. It's just something, it's just the rivalry. I know so many West Tigers fans. I know so many Eels fans. It's just, this rivalry just just brings excitement to me. I, I just want to watch this in terms of, you know, sort of entertainment value. Just wanted to see, you know, the Eels forwards running hard, but then also seeing the West Tigers backs just, you know, just putting on some freakish sort of try. It's just, I feel like this game's just going to have it all. I'd say, you know, Monday, huge crowd. I'd say, you know, people will be just chilling in their rooms, chilling on the fields, just watching it. So looking forward to this game. Yeah. Like I said, I, you know, the pessimistic Parramatta fan in me is coming out here, but the Tigers did show some things last week. Uh, Dane Laurie is getting better and better. And the introduction of Adam Dewey into the six really did um, give a nice direction. You know, it wasn't all on Luke Brooks, which I, you know, Luke Brooks is never going to be, if he's the one out and out playmaker in your team, you're not going to get very far. I think we have seen that in multiple seasons. But Adam Dewey, um, to me, he's not a fullback. He's not a center. He's a half. So I like him at, at six. Um, do I like him as much to topple this Parramatta team? Probably not. I think Parramatta should go in as favourites, as deserved favourites. Ryan Madison being back is a huge in, even though Papa Lee played really well last week. I prefer him channeling more through the middle rotation than sitting on an edge. Um, but for me, Parramatta, and keen to get your thoughts on it as a non-para fan, uh, near Corey in the centres, surely he stays in that spot even when Wanga Blake is fit because he's just short up. You know, there was one misread last week that they were able to cover, but just defensively, so, so, so offers so much more uh, on that edge to me. What are you, what are you seeing there? Uh, I, I think if we're up against a team that doesn't run those sweet plays very well, I think he does really well. He sort of reminds me of a Bo Scott. What do you think? Remember when he was sort of younger and around that sort of center, around mm-hmm. that second row sort of area, and we encouraged him to sort of um, defend against Greg Inglis during the origin period. So I think he's giving me that sort of vibe, you know, not not the fastest one, but definitely, you know, makes the right decisions. I think that's the biggest thing for Senna, making the right decisions, when to come in and when to stay out. I think he's made that correct, you know, nine times out of 10. Um, potentially could get burnt, you know, in terms of speed, if you're up against, you know, like a Ponga or, you know, 
I don't know, maybe Tedesco, I'd say. But for the time being, I think he's doing a fantastic job. I think he could definitely, you know, solidify himself over Wanga Blake. You know, Wanga Blake probably has to do really well in that New South Wales Cup to sort of, you know, earn his spot back. But, yeah, I think, you know, he's he's got to be in there. He's just showing that sort of, you know, aura to him that, you know, I feel like Wanga Blake, you know, could be a little shaky in that defence. I would definitely prefer Nui Kore over there. Yeah, he, he, like you said, the bow spot. He he just reminds me of, and again, this is a deep Parramatta cut. Ben Smith. Do you remember Ben Smith, uh, mid two thousands? The way very he, very vague memory you know, of him. Into the centers, um, you know, he's probably more suited to a back row uh, spot. But when he went into the centers, um, he had that famous chase down on Benji Marshall at Parramatta Stadium when he chased him down full field. Just, I I, I just like a defensive center. You know, Michael Jennings for all you know for all the critics of Michael Jennings. The last couple of years of his career turned into a really nice defensive setter. And we did really miss him when he when he uh, was out. So I do like seeing, you know, Fergo is a guy who is never the most defensive sound winger, uh, does like to rush in. But I just feel like when he's got near Corey inside of him, he doesn't need to feel to do that. So they did get found out once last week. And like you said, a team that has a really nice sweet play with a with a really fast player on the end of it could cause some troubles. But I think in this game, you know, Dane Laurie is that player. Um, so it'll be interesting to see that matchup. But from a Tigers, I will go back to them. Uh, Magic Maguire did make a few changes to the four-pack last week. Uh, Zay Musgrove moving in there. Stefano played a bit more minutes. I feel like they were able to match the really big four-pack of the Knights. W- what do you see from the Tigers in terms of can they maintain and improve on their win from last week, or do you think there's still a lot more work to be done here? Mm, I think... Michael McGuire did start to use his forwards to the best of their potential. Um, you know, having Mosgrove in the starting role against a Regan Campbell Gillard and a Junior Paula does question, you know, throw a few questions out there. But I did like how he used Stefano a lot better, you know, coming from the Eels. I think he's going to have that, you know, step up factor against, you know, his old club. You know, Joe Ovengawi, you know, did okay off the bench, but I honestly think he should be starting over Musgrove. Mm. Um, I think th- we, we talk about it again, Moses Mbai, every time he comes on, I feel like the attack just goes down by 50%. He did, would you probably watching the Tigers game last game? I didn't see Moses Mbai run the ball the way that Little does. Anytime Little throws a dummy, anytime he's running, his head is like through the line and he can get that quick play of the ball and then just let Brooks and Dewey take over. Mbai is just so, I guess, one dimensional with the way he plays. What, what do you think? As the the biggest fan in the Jacob Little fan club, I have to agree. <laughs> Every time when Little's on the field, defensively sound. I, I believe he gives good service from what I've seen. And, you know, he has got that little bit where he can dart out dummy half, you know, those little four, five step dart and get a forward on the, on the advantage line. I think they were really in control last week when Jacob Little went off the field and Mbai went into hooker is when the Knights really got back into the game. Yeah. Like I said, their attack became a little bit more one-dimensional. Their defense through the middle, you know, they had two guys, two tries go through the middle. So to me, I just, I just don't get why, why we're doing this. Like, Maybe maybe the seven hundred thousand dollar contract plays a part that you need to put him in the seventeen somewhere, but to me, you've just got to let Jacob Little go. And you know, obviously, I've been watching every Tigers game because I was the Jacob Little owner in our comp. I've now moved on from that tonight. Uh, but in terms of you know, I, I think he's a class player, and you know, he he was coming off of a couple of injuries, so he's now getting some match fitness. So he's not even at his full potential right now. You're looking at Jacob Little working his way back. You know, he's acclimatizing himself. 
you've got to think he's only played a handful of first grade games. So he's now acclimatizing to the speed. And from what you've seen so far, coming off an injury, acclimatizing to speed, he's been he's been up for it. So to me, I just don't see why we're playing Mbai. I from from a monetary value, I get why, but I totally agree with you. I think Mbai is the one missing piece in this side. You know, Sean Bloor looks like he's actually been knocked back two more weeks. So he's not going to come back till about round nine or ten. Mm. I would love to see Sean Bloor move into that number 14 jersey. You'll yes, you'll have four fours on the bench, but I'd rush, I'd much prefer that than having Mbai there to play 17 minutes as a as a folk, as a fake dummy half. Um, I, I just don't get it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think th- the way the Tigers play, they need to have four forwards. You know, some teams could work well with that sort of interchange in case of the injuries, but I think the way the Tigers play, yeah, four forwards is definitely the way to go. And, you know, my prediction came true as well with, with Dewey. Like I said, the boys was just naturally going to him once they realised that Brooks wasn't the dominant half anymore. And I think we're going to see that trend happening towards, you know, further games. I think this game, Dewey is, is again going to be that dominant half. I just don't see Brooks, you know, he says it every year that he's going to, you know, take this Tigers, you know, to the finals. And you know what? We're getting the same thing over and over. And I think naturally, again, it was Benji last year doing all the work. This time it's going to be Dewey. That's the way I see it. So Yeah, it's a good point. One more point on this game before we move into the waivers. I am surprised Mitch Moses got named. He got a head knock and that calf was getting stretched out at various points in the game. I would have loved to see Mitch Moses get rested for this game. Yes, that undefeated record's on the line here. But to me, our season went down last year where Mitch Moses got that, that calf injury. So if it was troubling him and bothering him, I would have liked to just see Will Smith get named in the seven jersey. He did a great job last week off the bench. Um, and then, you you know, you could have brought in a Joey Lusick, um, you know, on, onto the bench to get some minutes. But I just feel like we need to be very cautious with Mitch Moses, you know, as a Parramatta fan, you know, Gutho, Mitch Moses, Reed Money, they're the three that we just can't really afford to let anything happen to. So to me as a, as a Parramatta fan, that's just one I want to watch. If Mitch Moses is, you know, banged up at all, I'd rather us take a, a cautious approach. But that's, that's just me. In terms, of, of, in terms of a waiver for this game, um, there's a couple of interesting ones from a Tigers side, I guess, um, that uh, Adam Dewey probably being the biggest one in ours, you unfortunately had to drop him due to a number of injuries in your side. He's probably number one. Is there anyone else that you're looking at here? Uh, I'm not looking for forwards, but Stefano is really, really starting to intrigue me. I, th- I think the usage of him is starting to become more prevalent at how he is used in the, the forward rotation. I think... It's a bold statement. Do you think he would potentially be starting at some point? Like just the way Payne Haas was just so well used on the interchange, he just naturally made his way into the starting side. What yeah. What do you think of that, Stefano? Definitely. I think that the opposite James Tarmel proposition, you know, the Joe Offen and Galway, the McKaylee, what, why not Stefano? I think, you know, once mm. he really builds in, he, you know, he's still a young boy. Once he really gets more minutes into him, you know, by around six, seven, eight, why can't he play 50, 55 minutes starting prop? You know, he would be, you know, you talk about the PPM, he'd be, you know, if he's pushing out like 1.2 PPM and he's just, you know, really laying the platform. You saw in that game, you know, when he got in the open field for that try, mm. he's very light-footed, which, you know, I love uh, whenever props, you know, can really just test the line. But when they get through the line is when you really see a forwards mobility and the way they run. And he runs mm. like, you know, an edge player. Like he has that really slight of foot. So definitely I, I think that the number eight jersey, you know, Tom Al's got the 10, the number eight jersey, 
why not give it to whoever, like, you know, the best young forward in that in that game, in that club is, and that's definitely Stefano for me. Mm, definitely. Um, also looking at maybe Tommy Talao, I think he offered a lot more than BJ Lelore, and I think he synergized really well with um, Adam Dewey for that try. So I think we're going to see a lot more of the, that sort of short ball to him just for him to get through the line. Um, really good to see that he is playing that center instead of that wing spot. Um don't go anywhere near Kapoa. I think, in my opinion, he's one of the worst wingers in the entire league. Great. Um, yeah, looking over to the eel side, um, starting 13, yeah, forget it. I'll be surprised if any of those sort of players is on anyone's waivers at this point. Um, interchange doesn't, you know, spice me up unless it's Papali'i again. Um, Kafusi could be intriguing, but um, no, nah, not with the amount of minutes he's getting. Good PPM, but uh, other than that, I think in this overall game, Stefano, Tommy Talao, and uh, Adam Dewey. Yeah, agreed. The only one I will mention, similar to my handcuff rule, if you're the Mitch Moses owner, pick up Will Smith just in case. Um, he is a jewel as well, I believe. So, again, just anytime you have invested good draft capital or got a good trade potential for a player, make sure you draft the the handcuff just in case there's any injuries or suspensions you can just plug it straight in because whatever you think you're going to get from a mitch moses you'd expect from a will smith so that's probably my number one rule and um that's that's what i would be targeting there all right and that will do it like i said a very interesting uh round four tlt chris thanks for coming on mate no worries. thanks for having me matt no worries thanks for listening guys we're approaching 2000 uh listens so please Keep listening, guys. Go to the socials at the NRL Rewind on Instagram and Facebook. Thanks for listening, guys, and have a great day. Cheers.